0: All right, guys. Welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Super Podcast. It is Monday, November twelfth, two thousand eighteen. On today's episode of the podcast, uh, another mailbag where I answer all your questions uh, from Twitter. I put out the post this morning. And decided to go ahead and give you guys some thoughts on those uh, after what was uh, a really fun week, as we know of the uh, first week of college basketball season. There was a lot of great stuff that happened. A lot of great stuff in the SEC. Uh, if you want more information on that, if you want to read a lot about that, go over to southeasttoops.com. As you'll see, I'm doing uh, the regular notebook posts now with thoughts on every single game, plus previews for every game, predictions for every game. All the stuff you guys want, uh, find it over at southeasthoops.com. But as for the podcast, uh, good mailbag questions, and we'll go ahead and answer some of those. I'm sure more will kind of start to filter in uh, throughout the day, but uh, we will go through those on future episodes of the podcast as well. But let's go ahead and get started here. Um, Our first question comes from uh, 5on5hoops. That's at 5on5hoops on Twitter. Asks, uh, where do you see A&M finishing this year, and how quickly do or don't you see Tom Crean turning around Georgia? To start with A&M, uh, and I hate to kind of start on a negative note, but uh, I've seen A&M now, th- those two games, they played Savannah State and they played UC Irvine. I said I wasn't surprised when they lost uh, the other night to, to Irvine at home, because when you looked at that game, when you kind of went through things, and I said in the preview, uh, it just th- these were two teams that felt pretty even. And with Admon Gilder, uh, Wendell Mitchell, both were still out for for the Aggies, and it just felt like a game where Texas A&M didn't look particularly great against Savannah State. And even if that kind of style sometimes it can give people problems, and we'll get to Georgia in a second on that because Georgia sure didn't have much trouble with it but uh for a and m it just looks like a team that's still kind of trying to find its way uh, after last season losing what they lost with robert williams tyler davis tony trudge morelos dj Hogue. uh when you lose those guys you're completely changing your style and it's just there's gonna be times like this and that's why when you watch that game the other night they had a chance to win but they just didn't make shots down the stretch irvine made more plays and when that happens, you're going to find yourself in a situation where it's an upset. And I was kind of joking when I said, really, it didn't feel like a huge upset because UC Irvine is a pretty good team. And it's a team that feels like they can win the Big West and get back to the NCAA tournament. Um, and, and and that's just kind of what you keep seeing with a lot of these mid-major teams. Remember, they don't get these opportunities after December. They come in with kind of that chip on their shoulder. They know that they're getting the attention now they have to take advantage of it because once they get into conference play, in some of these conferences that you just don't get a chance to watch, you know, they're not going to have that attention. So they want to prove that they are a pretty good team, and they want to show that you know they have things together and feel like they can be a team once we get to March that you don't want to play. So uh, give a lot of credit to, to the Anteaters there for for the way they played in that game, but I just think with A and M, they got to shoot the ball better. If they're going to play faster, they've got to be able to shoot better. And, you know, TJ Starks the other night did not shoot well. And once they get Adamon Gilder back, things are going to get better. Uh, He's just one of the more underrated guards probably in the country. But how much better, I don't know. If you look at Texas A&M right now, I think when you compare them to everyone else in the SEC, it's really kind of hard uh, to see them in that upper tier just because – it's just tough i really do i think it's going to be a kind of a tough season there's going to be some ups and downs with the new style uh, i've liked what i've seen thus far from from guys like christian mackawooloo the tennessee straight transfer uh, josh nebo's played well for, for the most part and so they've got some good stuff to work with Savion on flag i mean they they've got good talent it's just meshing everyone together and getting that chemistry i think it's going to take a while uh for billy kennedy's team there uh in college station as for georgia I uh, I think I've said this kind of going back in the preseason when you talked about some potential sleeper teams and we'll talk about a couple later on in some of the questions but George was one of those teams that I just I looked at and felt like if they were going to play faster if they were going to not just kind of make everything have to be scored in the half court like they have in recent years they would have a chance to to kind of make further progress maybe quicker than people thought under Tom Crean. And you see it so far. You can only take so much away from what's happened thus far. Like I said, you look at a game against Savannah State, you're playing such a unique style. You can only take so much from that. Savannah State doesn't play defense, and it gives you an opportunity to score a lot of points, which Georgia did. It scored 110. Uh, I think the most they'd scored since 1999, something like that. So you, you have to give credit for, for that. But with Georgia, it's going to come down to shooting too, I think, as well. Uh, Tyree Crump, I think he hit four three-pointers in that game. He's got to be someone that gives them a consistent outside threat. Uh, Georgia's got to be able to shoot the ball better uh, on a consistent basis. They couldn't do that last year. So if everybody continues to get better, if this playing a faster style uh, helps them get more open shots and maybe they can find easier easier baskets in transition, That's what you want, and I think that's what the goal is for Tom Crean. He wants to be able to get some of his guys, you know, out in transition, get them in good spots. Uh, That way, they're not having to do everything just in the half court through set plays or other stuff like that. They're able to kind of use their strengths uh, to get down the floor because they have a very athletic team. I mean, Tashawn Hightower. uh, You look at, I mean, Nick Claxton, double double. I mean, he's he's a guy that we mentioned in the the sec breakout player series is he's just someone that when you have that kind of size at 610 the way he can play he's just a really talented guy and i think he's going to be able to be used in a lot of different ways there for them this season so georgia is gonna come along quicker than people think and he's got some good young talent there i've talked about that sophomore class time and time again with ray sean hammonds in there as well uh to go along with the, the other guys i just mentioned. So. Georgia's gonna they're they're gonna make progress, but as we know, everybody else is making progress too. So, uh year in and year out, it's gonna be difficult to, to sustain success as it is, you know, going forward now in this league for everyone, just because we know what the level of competition is. But I think Tom Green's gonna have things uh, you know, moving pretty quick there and I wouldn't be surprised if they are one of those potential sleeper teams this year, as long as they can shoot the ball uh consistently from outside and get good shots, because I think they'll play defense and I think they're going to be okay. I, I do, really do. I think the Bulldogs are in good shape now uh, with Tom Crean at the helm. Next up uh, from Roger Patrick Myers. He is on Twitter uh, at Roger Pat Myers. He asks uh, early thoughts on Kyra Lewis, and boy, Kyra Lewis had quite a game there against Appalachian State. He uh, He played very well. I mean, he's someone that I'll tell you, going into the season, I really did not know what to expect in terms of how much he was going to play, how quickly Alabama would kind of throw him into the mix, uh, but they, they've kind of had to, and Avery Johnson has kind of just said, hey, we're going to let this guy uh, learn on the job, and he's going to get an opportunity to prove himself early on, because Dazon Ingram missed the opener, uh, he came back last night against uh, Appalachian State, but i'm telling you you look at the way kyra lewis plays and i keep pointing out his age just because it's kind of crazy to think about but i mean he's 17 years old and he doesn't turn 18 years old for what another five six months something like that um and just the way he's playing it's not just we know the skill set i mean the kid's got all the potential he can score in so many different ways um he he's just got some intangibles and you love to see those kind of intangibles from someone that young where he's a good, you know, he's a good leader on the floor. He's a competitor. Um, He just, he has a lot of good things about him. And he's someone, I think, that really fits what Avery Johnson wants to do, really fits what you want in a point guard. And so uh, it has been very impressive what he's done thus far. I mean, getting 21 points there, he was 9 of 18 shooting, only had one turnover in 31 minutes. Uh, So that, that to me, even more impressive, because uh, that just tells you that that he's kind of got that awareness and that's what you want. I mean, at that age, he's got a good court awareness. He's someone that, even though he's still going to progress physically, we know that he's going to get stronger as the year progresses. And going into next year, uh, he's going to be able to build his body more and be able to handle more of uh, you know, the physical type of play that he's probably going to see once we get into the SEC. But um, I think it has been very interesting how they've used him thus far, how well he's played. Uh, and now just seeing, you know, going forward, is he going to get that same type of opportunities? What happens when we get into SEC play? Um, you know, I don't I don't think he's, he's not one that's going to back down from it. He's just going to kind of go out there and play his game. Um, and I just, I am, I'm excited to see how he continues to progress and as the season goes along. There's no doubt that he's been kind of a surprise, not because we didn't think he was talented, uh, but just because the opportunity he's getting, I mean, he's playing 30 minutes. And it's like, you know, that that's great because he is getting the valuable experience early on. Uh, and he's going to be able to use that now as we continue to move through the year. So another question uh, from at Vandy underscore for life. He asks, has Vanderbilt exceeded your expectations so far? Uh, Darius Garland and Simi To both look like lottery picks. I agree. They they are the real deal, and I think we knew that going into this season. Uh, the, the biggest hesitation I had with Vanderbilt going into the year, and, and I think probably most people picked them anywhere from seven to nine. I think that that felt about right, and maybe does still feel about right because you have to remember this too: that there are things that they are doing really, really well right now, but you're still going to have the, those moments where you know there are going to be some frustrating times, and they had those against USC, but. Um, they had them against Winthrop, and it's just, you know, there will be lapses on both ends of the floor, on offense, on defense, where things are kind of sloppy, and we'll, you know, how much of a difference will that make when you get into some of these close games in SEC play? Uh, that's where you kind of look at it, but there's no doubt. I mean, this team, talent-wise, being led by those two guys, and I mentioned it in the notebook post this morning on southeastsoops.com Go read that if you haven't already. Uh, but their poise, and I was laughing because – you know, we were making fun of kind of all the things Bill Walton talks about in a game all the time, but he kind of said it. It was, you know, probably five, six, seven minutes left, something like that. Just was talking about how Vanderbilt was playing with poise and confidence. And and to see that, knowing that they're relying on so many of these guys that are freshmen or you have a sophomore like Saban Lee, um, that's impressive. And, and I think that's the biggest takeaway so far for them is that they haven't kind of been flustered by the moment. They they haven't, you know, when they've had close games. That game against Winthrop was close for, for a good while. And then that against USC, it's a game where a couple plays here or there decides the game. And Vanderbilt was the one that was able to make those plays. Even when USC made their run, they'd get up two here or there. Uh, it didn't really phase them. And I think that's what you look at. You have to go deeper sometimes than just the box score. If you see the game and you kind of understand that, that's a big part of the equation. And that's been impressive to me is just to see how they've played uh, with that kind of mindset. If that continues, they're going to be in really good shape um, because not only are you getting that kind of production, but you have someone like Joe Toy, who we've really talked about over the past couple of years a lot on the podcast is someone that's kind of that breakout player that you just see it. All of the kind of pieces are there for him to really break out and be a, a very good player. It's just that consistency hasn't been there all the time. Uh, if he has that type of consistency the entire year, that gives Vanderbilt a huge boost, and it just gives him more depth that, that they have to work with. And I think that's – you're, you're going to continue to see the rotation. You see how the minutes kind of balance out, but you feel like you know what you're going to get out of these guys. I thought Aaron Neesmith, you know, he played pretty well. It just they, – they've got a lot of good young talent to work with, and, and that's really – something that they're going to be able to lean on knowing that, you know, yeah, they have a bunch of freshmen and sophomores, but they're playing like juniors and seniors so far uh, when you're talking about just being able to handle these close games. Now they're still – they have their freshman and sophomore moments. You know, when you get the lapses on defense, sometimes on offense, you're you're still going to take bad shots. You're going to have all those things. That comes with the territory. But there's no doubt uh, that Vanderbilt is, you know, off to a great start, and that was a huge win that's going to look even better probably – Uh, come February and March because even though USC was missing some of their guys and we we mentioned Benny Boatwright a lot you know was he going to play was he not Uh, it didn't really I mean hey you still you still win the game and that's still a tough place to play that's still a hard thing to do go across the country get that kind of win Uh, but this Vanderbilt team found a way to do it and that's a that's a really big win for them just learning how to win like that uh, they they just kind of went in thinking that they were the better team and they played that way and you got to give them a lot of credit for it. So, next question is from uh, Jacob Hamner at Hammy J2. He asked how much better will Auburn get when Danielle Purefoy enters the equation? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I looked at the question and then the first thing that came to my mind was, my goodness, it just gives Auburn another three-point shooting threat. And when you think of how well they shot the ball so far, how quickly they're able to change the game by knocking down as many outside shots as they can, it just kind of blows your mind because you, you see how quickly the Washington game got out of hand. We saw how quickly the South Alabama game got out of hand. It's just when you can knock down shots like that the way they have, um, it's just, I don't know, they're hard to stop, and they are, they are very difficult to prepare for. Uh, it's just you know uh, w- what else can you do? Uh, you've got so many three point shooters out there, and now your big guys are able to shoot. Um, it's just boy, uh, things just are so easy when you can do that. When you can knock down shots, things are are so much easier. And Auburn is able to do that. And Purefoy, you know that's kind of the thing we've talked about the past couple years with him. It's just his ability to shoot. Uh, it's got good size, got good length, and and that's just going to give them another weapon because. This is depth has been the thing with Auburn. I've continued to say that going back to before last season. I I thought they would be better than they were. You know, last year going into the season, a lot of people picked them. I don't remember where they were picked, but I felt like they were going to be better than than where they were picked in in the preseason. Uh, And it had a lot to do with the depth because they just have so many different players that can do things well. And Chimo Kiki is a perfect example. I mean, he's SDC player of the week this week. And it's like, he was that breakout player. We talked about him in the series. We said he has the, that versatility. He's, he's a guy who can step out and shoot, um, and that's what you're getting. You know, Anthony McLemore, he can shoot. Your forwards are guys that can do all these different things, and I just think when Foy comes back, as well as the guards are playing, uh, as well as you've got everybody else playing, Austin Wiley's back into the mix, it just adds another talented player uh, that can make shots and give you what you want and so just getting him back will I think and I really think a lot of people are forgetting that I think there are people probably on the national level that forget that he's not even playing yet and then that, that's just kind of shows you what the potential is for this Auburn team uh, and why they can get to a final four because of this makeup it's just that they are so talented and they're so fun to watch that there's no doubt they're one of the most entertaining teams in college basketball right now and to follow up on that with the next question from the mailbag Uh, also about Auburn it's from uh, at Jason underscore of underscore five he asked does Auburn have a legitimate shot at beating Duke which is assuming that Auburn beats Xavier yeah that's that's always the thing you you look ahead at all these matchups and as we know uh, these tournament games uh, can be kind of unpredictable but there's no doubt Auburn you know you feel like Auburn's a better team right now than Xavier and they have to go in and they have to be able to beat Xavier first because uh, you don't want to overlook that because Xavier's, you know, they, yeah, they've got a new coach in Travis Steele, but they're still a team that can has talent and a team that can beat you. So you don't want to overlook that, and you don't. I don't really anticipate that happening, knowing the way Bruce Pearl prepares his team. Uh, they're going to have their mind on Xavier, and they're not going to be looking ahead to that potential matchup with Duke, uh, which won't matter if San Diego State were to pull off the upset or something like that. But let's assume that both teams advance and play each other. Uh, It goes back to what I just said in the other question. Does Auburn have a legitimate shot at at beating Duke? Yes, just because of how well they shoot the ball. And Auburn's got a chance to beat anybody in the country when you shoot the way that they can shoot. If they get rolling, we saw it from Washington. It's just so hard to stop. You had a top 25 matchup between two top 25 teams, the number 11 team in the country, the number 25 team in the country. And people could say what they want about, well, Washington probably shouldn't have been ranked this or that. That's not the point. The point is that Washington is very, very talented. They have a chance to win the Pac-12 this year. And they were just getting steamrolled for a lot of that game because Auburn just kept going and going and going. Uh, they just could not be slowed down. And I think that's what Auburn does so well is they will just – completely take all the energy out of you because they can get up and down the floor they're hitting shots Uh, they don't allow other teams to get momentum because they're able to hit shots at such a a good rate that they can flip the game so quickly and I think that's what you look at Auburn's matchup against Duke Uh, look Dukes is they're human right I mean (laughs) we saw them play against Kentucky and everybody thought, uh-oh, here we go. Let's go ahead and start talking about 40-0 or whatever. Uh, Duke's not going to lose a game. And, yes, they've gotten off to a 2-0 start. They played against Army, but, you know, they, they didn't beat Army the way they beat Kentucky. And so I just think you look at that, That they're still a team that's filled with freshmen, even as impressive as they were, to start the season. And they are, you know, probably the most talented team in the country when you think about what kind of leads them what they're working with there. You're talking about potential top three picks in the draft next year. Uh, that's a good thing to have, and there's no doubt that it will be a big challenge for Auburn if that matchup happens. Uh, but I just, again, it goes back to the shooting. If they, if Auburn shoots the way they can shoot, they take the same kind of shots, they get the open looks. I don't think you can count out a team like Auburn against anyone just because of, of that three-point three, three point shot, and that could be the great equalizer uh even if you're not able to match up against some of those other guys which you know i don't necessarily think it's going to be that huge of a disadvantage because you you have so many athletic players on auburn you've got a got a, a lot of good length you've got that depth too so if you get guys in foul trouble you feel like you're okay Uh, so that that is no doubt I hope I think everyone hopes that matchup happens you just want to see how those two teams play against each other uh, because that could be one of the more entertaining games of the year just knowing the style of play and and knowing who's on the floor uh, for both teams so we'll see if that's what we get uh, when the Maui Invitational rolls around here soon. And the uh, final question for this edition of the mailbag it comes from uh, at vu commodore. He asks, uh, "One week in the books, has your one through fourteen projections uh, changed at all? If so, what is the new order?" Uh, I don't know, you know, how much I would change from the first week. Uh, I just I would probably more look at it and say these teams were. Impressive. These teams were maybe a little further behind than I thought they'd be. Uh, if you start with the latter part, you know South Carolina losing at home to Stony Brook, and then they really didn't play well against USC Upstate in that first game. Then you kind of add that to the fact that they lost to to Augusta in the exhibition. I just South Carolina was that team, and I mentioned it on a couple podcasts, several podcasts ago now. I said they could maybe be a potential sleeper just knowing you know how they play defense and knowing what's possible from Chris Silva, but they've still got ways to go, and we saw that in that game against Stony Brook. It's just if Silva's not on the floor, if he's in foul trouble, I don't know what South Carolina does, and that's a problem uh, because he's, he's going to get in foul trouble. And we Unfortunately, that was kind of a trend what you saw last year sometimes, um, and it's just going to happen. It's the nature of the game. You've got a big guy like that who's so effective at blocking shots and defending, you know, the reigning defensive player of the year in the SEC that he's going to get in foul trouble sometimes. But that really – they can't afford that because I don't know what they do if that happens. And so uh, South Carolina's a team that, you know, probably just – they've got ways to go. I mentioned Texas A&M earlier. They're they're still certainly a work in progress. Um, Arkansas is probably one of those that – just, in, again, I'll always like to repeat this. We're talking about a very, very small sample size here. Some of these teams have only played one game. Some have played two. Uh, so you can, I'm not going to completely overreact one way or the other uh, for any of that, because I just think that's silly. You need a much larger sample size uh, to be able to say, okay, well, after one game, I thought, you know, this team was going to be this far down, but now they could be, you know, here. I, it's just, it's really hard to do. Uh, but I will say that Arkansas, the way they played against Texas, I think that gives you, more confidence in them, especially their guard play. Uh, they played really well. We're talking about Isaiah Joe, uh, Jalen Harris, Mason Jones. Those guys, uh, they give you a little more confidence in what Arkansas is going to be able to do around Daniel Gafford. Uh, I thought that, you know, they they feel like it's a game they should have won, and they play UC Davis tonight. Uh, that's a very experienced team out of the Big West, but Arkansas, I think, is going to really be able to get a lot of second-chance opportunities, and, and, you know, Daniel Gafford, he is what he is. I mean, he's, he's so exciting to watch. Uh, but Arkansas is a team that, that's probably you know moving up in my eyes from just one game. Like I said, I don't want to say they're going to move them up 15 spots or you know anything like that crazy. But they're, they're a team you feel a little more confident about. I mentioned Vanderbilt. You know, Just seeing the, the way these freshmen play, they're certainly a team uh, that's on the rise. There's no doubt. And then when you just look at the top tier of the SEC, I know a lot of people are going to look at Kentucky and say, well, look how they got beat against Duke. They struggled against Southern Illinois. Um, Southern Illinois, not a bad basketball team. Uh, but yeah you look at Kentucky are they the clear-cut SEC champion they're not Uh, but are they going to get better as the season goes along absolutely so uh, there's a long way to go and um, it's it was certainly a very interesting first week we we got to kind of see more of these teams and kind of feel like we know where they're at right now I I know watching Mississippi State and LSU those two teams we knew were going to kind of continue to make their their mark and continue to move forward on the national stage and they certainly did that with how well they played uh in their first couple games and the usual suspects auburn tennessee played very well Uh, they look like they haven't really missed a step from last year and will be even better uh, this year so we'll continue to see how things play out there more good games coming up we're about getting into that uh tournament time where you have these uh you know non-conference tournaments those are always kind of tell you a lot more too when you get teams in tournament type of atmospheres you see kind of how well they're able to play uh, in that setting. So that's going to be a lot of fun here. And uh, a lot more great stuff on the way here on the Southeast Tubes podcast and over at SoutheastTubes.com. If you have more mailback questions, keep sending them in. We'll just do these uh, on, on different episodes as we go throughout the week. Uh, but plenty of written stuff, like I mentioned earlier, is now up over at SoutheastTubes.com. I said it on Twitter for those who missed it. We are now doing game previews for every single SEC game, and uh, that's where you'll be able to find all my predictions now. Plus, I'm putting them inside the uh, the notebook pieces as well. With uh, everybody, it's kind of started to ask me to do more uh, against the spread, over/under stuff. So we're gonna we're gonna try that out for a little while. I, I'm telling you guys, don't don't go out and spend all your money on my picks for that because uh, I think you would be silly uh, to do that because my picks have always been simply straight up winners. Uh, and so don't, don't go too crazy with that. We're going to do that for uh, just fun, just to kind of see how well we do. Uh, so we'll have uh, some fun with that and see what happens. But um, go over to Southeast find all the written stuff there. And of course, subscribe to the podcast, just go over to iTunes, search for Southeast hoops. That way you don't miss any of these coming up. Uh, we've got two interviews lined up for this week. As of right now, I think they're ones uh, you're really going to enjoy, and we'll continue to add more as well as we go throughout Uh, this fun season. Just uh, so much great stuff so far. You guys can hear it in my voice. The excitement is there. Uh, That's because we've had some great basketball thus far, and we'll continue to have it as we go throughout the 2018-19 season. So uh, thanks, as always, for listening, and we will talk to you guys next time.